0: And Welcome to the 25th July 2018 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is known for its lack of space, with some of the smallest flat sizes in the world. Our average flat size is 470 square feet, which is pretty tiny. Our city is crowded, but we're all able to get along fairly well most of the time. This week, as we sit in our small but comfortable flats... We'll be listening to this story by Jen about a time she worked in community support in a different city. People who do support work in any capacity get a thankful nod from us this week. Thanks for helping our communities get along and smoothing out the bumps along the road. Before we get to this story, first, a big Sweaty July podcast hug to our hometown audiences in Hong Kong. A second humid virtual embrace goes out to our listeners in Vietnam, Singapore, the Philippines, Indonesia, and Qatar. Our little podcast goes out to ears in most of the countries in Asia, and we couldn't be more proud. Thanks to everyone who listens. Our July show, Wild Things, is on tonight, the 25th of July. If you haven't already got your tickets, go directly to hongkongstories.com to find the link to book yourself a ticket. It's going to be a great show, as usual. Our storytellers come from all walks of life and have experienced things that often have us on the edge of our seats. This month's theme is Wild Things, so be prepared for a bit of excitement. If you're listening to this podcast after the event, we have upcoming shows in September, October, with the Hong Kong International Literary Festival in November, and even a show in early December. Hong Kong Stories It's better than comedy, it's better than drama, it's real life. This story was told live on stage at the Hong Kong Fridge Club at our April 2018 show, which had the theme Face the Music. It's a story about a difficult moment in her life. Here is Jen. I leaned forward with
1: my elbows on my desk and my head in my hands, praying that nothing else would come up. As a youth worker, I didn't really have regular set working hours. It was early evening and I should have been able to leave in about an hour but my ability to go home was entirely dependent on whether or not anybody was in crisis. Otherwise, it was a great job. It was the late 1990s and I was Vancouver's first youth worker designated for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered youth. I'd grown up closeted in a really small town, so I was constantly amazed that I was now able to get paid to organize drop-ins and social events for anybody queer or questioning under the age of 25. My caseload ranged from kids who were relatively stable and just needed a safe place to be themselves for a few hours a week to kids who were very unstable, uh, living on the streets and needing heavy intervention. In addition to our youth group, uh, the center had a clinic, a nurse's clinic, that ran a needle exchange, a library, and a bunch of different meeting rooms that the community groups could use. Heck, something hectic could break out at any moment in any of those places. Earlier that day, a couple of guys had started a fight in the waiting room waiting for the clinic. A few days ago, some guy had come in and smashed up our photocopier. It was chaotic, but it was a great job. That day, I was just tired. I needed dinner with my roommates and an early night, and everything would be fine. And that was all going to happen as long as nothing came up. And then I heard the sound of a young woman's voice. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm so fucked! And she ran straight down the corridor and into the closed door of the street nurses' clinic, which was right next to my office. She was pounding on the door and yelling when I stepped out into the corridor and saw that it was Tasha. Now, Tasha was within the age range of my youth group, but she usually came in to see the nurses and use the needle exchange. Sometimes she'd stop by and chat with me, but I realized it had been a few weeks since the last time I'd seen her. Tasha, calm down. The nurses are just out doing their rounds. Come and wait in here with me, and I'll give them a call for you. She looked at me and then rushed past me into my office, dropped to her knees in front of my garbage can, and started puking. In between heaves, she kept on yelling. Oh, God, what am I going to do? I had a place, and I fucked it up. I fucked it up. She turns out that she'd been in a residential rehab program for the previous few weeks, and that day she'd been out on her first day pass. She'd run into a few friends and she'd gotten high with them. Now she was feeling sick, but she was mostly panicked because she knew she couldn't go back to the rehab because she'd been using. She told me she didn't have any other place to go. And then she carried on retching and ranting and demanding ginger ale, which I didn't have on hand. My hope of leaving at a reasonable time evaporated, but there was a bright side. When folks like Tasha disappeared for a few weeks, often the next thing you'd hear about them would not be good news. In the four years that I had worked at the center, we'd already lost four young people to suicide or overdose, three in the past year. She may have been a mess, but at least she was there. To deal with her most immediate crisis, I called the street nurses on their cell phone and left a message. Then I reassured her that she probably wasn't the first person to use on a day pass. I told her I'd call the rehab and see if they could work something out. And, of course, they could, but not in the state she was in. That meant finding her a shelter bed for the night, which was not going to be easy that late in the day. I started making calls. Tasha was still on the floor howling and occasionally dry heaving. Oh, God, what am I going to do? I feel like shit. Are you sure you don't have any ginger ale? I put my hand over the phone. Tasha, I'm trying to convince people that you are calm enough to take a bed in their shelter without freaking out everybody else that's there. It's a little hard to do that when they can hear you screaming in the background. That quieted her down a little bit, and about four calls later, I got a social worker who thought he had a place. I was on hold waiting for him to confirm when I heard a noise at the door. I looked up, expecting the nurses, but I saw Danny. Danny was a 15-year-old kid who came to the center all the time, whether we had a drop-in going or not. He was not out to anybody in his life, and we were his gay oasis. He looked from Tasha on all fours with her head in the bin to me with my phone stuck to my ear and said, Are you busy? (laughs) Fuck yes, I'm busy. Do you think you could? And I tried to wave him away. Instead, he steps forward into the room, settles into a chair, and says, That's okay, I can wait till you're done done what is wrong with this kid then I had an idea if you're gonna be here I said you're gonna be useful and I reached into my desk grabbed ten bucks and said here go to the 7-eleven across the street and get this girl some ginger ale (laughs) Danny took the money and then paused can I get a chocolate bar yes fine just don't take all day and then the social worker was back on the line so I waved him away success the shelter would take Tasha but they needed her to be calm I swore that she would be and said that we'd be there soon. Then Danny came back in, and I told Tasha that we'd leave as soon as she was done her ginger ale. Danny sat back in his chair, munching on his chocolate bar, and stared at her wide-eyed. What's wrong with you? And Tasha told him, not just the recent events, but her whole life story, very much in the preachy style of a guest speaker or recovered addict at a high school. I was relieved to see that she was feeling calm, but I had the nagging feeling that I'd just been suckered into crisis mode. As her tail and her ginger ale started to come to an end, the street nurses showed up, and they confirmed that she was fine, and then thankfully offered to take her to the shelter for me. I could have hugged them. By the time they were ready to go, I had my bag slung over my shoulder and my keys out to lock up. And then Danny piped up. So, do you want to hang out here or maybe go for a snack? (sighs) Danny, honey, I think I'm done for the day. If he had started talking, I would have been there for hours. And I was so close to getting home. Oh, come on. I mean, it's still early. We could, like, go and... Danny, I said I'm done. I've been here all day. Danny looked crushed. One of the nurses waved him out of the office and said, Jen's shift is done. Why don't you go and see if the volunteer and reception needs some help? I turned away and just focused on my keys as I locked up. I couldn't turn around until I heard them leaving down the corridor. And I also couldn't stop seeing the hurt expression on Danny's face. And I was horrified that I had lost it like that in front of the nurses. I snuck out past reception without saying goodnight to anybody. All the way home, I kept thinking, really? What had he wanted? Just someone to be himself with for a few hours, somebody to listen. If I couldn't do that, then maybe it was time to face the fact that I wasn't just tired. Maybe I didn't have anymore what it took to do this job. Snapping at Danny had been awful, but he'd recover. What really worried me was what other mistakes I might make. As tired as I had been, I couldn't sleep when I got home. I was awake all night wondering how I was going to admit to my boss that I just couldn't do it anymore.
0: Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. We share our stories on stage for many reasons, but one of the most important ones is that sharing personal experiences brings people together and builds stronger communities. You are welcome to join us as well. We have open workshops every week that you can just show up to with little or no preparation. The first time you go to a workshop, you will only tell your story in front of a few people. Get some feedback. And give some feedback, too. The host will guide you through the whole painless process. You can improve your story and retell it at another workshop or even pitch it for the next show. For more information, as well as past podcasts, photos of our storytellers, and so much more, go to hongkongstories.com. Thanks go out today to our unsung hero of this podcast, Yuri, who curated and directed our April 2018 show. Thanks for all your hard work, Yuri. The music on this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. May your week be filled with rainbows, an amusing advertisement, and a delicious cookie or two.